0: Welcome to The C Word, The Conservative Podcast. Today we're talking about Christmas. It's our Christmas special! Yay! Yay. I'm Jennifer Mathiasson, an Objects Conservative based in South Yorkshire. I'm Chloe
1: Ramsey, an Objects Conservative based in Greater Manchester. <laughs> and I'm
0: Christina Rizek, an Objects Conservative based in Cambridgeshire. Best intro ever, <laughs> just saying. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, oh okay. welcome, welcome to the Christmas special. This is not our usual episode. This is way better than usual. And we're going to start by pulling some crackers because we will be wearing the stupid hats. For people listening abroad, that would be a little paper hat uh, in different colours that's traditionally delivered Are in they the... Are not ubiquitous? Off the no. Route. Are they not? Well, I mean, uh, maybe Americans have them. Do Americans have Christmas yeah, crackers? I'm sure they probably but i i know that this is not part of my culture uh, i'm just saying it's what no we don't have crackers <gasps> what crackers is to me incredibly british but it's probably
1: what did you, what did you use to put christmas time? don't <laughs> ask. what's wrong
0: with you <laughs> right so uh <laughs> surprise to everyone else the christmas crackers aren't actually universal but we're going to pause on christmas crackers and they usually contain a silly paper hat so we're going to wear the silly and paper a joke hats. yes and a joke and usually a crap toy <laughs> uh, or some other freebie uh, by the way I do kind of wonder what a good crap toy would be for a conservator oh, scalpel. <laughs> that's no, a scalpel that's not safe <laughs> oh, oh, oh it could be a tiny magnifier that would be quite appropriate oh, oh, yeah. tiny bit of smoke sponge <laughs> okay okay is? first cracker first cracker oh. ah! it didn't, did
1: it
2: go off yes yes
1: <laughs> I got a small frame.
0: You have a silver <laughs> hat.
1: I can't fit it over the headphones. Yes, they fit it fits over the headphones perfection. How big are people's heads? Oh. What rock band is Stephen Coob a member of? No idea. The B72s. Oh god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? That's so I was Okay. It. Excellent. Okay. Brilliant. Okay, okay, Christina, your time for a cracker. Yay! Oh yeah. Oh. And cool. what have i got what have i got what on earth is this it's <laughs> a, a plastic object i'm gonna i'm gonna peel open the thing it's a sort of d-shaped plastic is it a mirror <gasps> oh please tell me it's a mirror it's tell a me. mirror <laughs> <a> I <genuine> <laughs> you've got a pocket mirror Oh. oh.
3: <laughs> what do you call a snowman in a museum i don't know a
0: slip hazard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Time to pull a cracker with the sound engineer. Ah. <laughs> Excellent. What did you get? No, it's all in half. Hey. Oh, nice. You got the Mail clippers. Yeah. Mail clippers. They are always they're, the they're ones that everyone wants and then breaks. Anyway. And These crackers are cracking. <laughs> they're Cracking. <laughs> yes. Okay, now well, take the headphones off. <laughs> are you going to do are you going to do paper hat first and then headphones? Yeah. Mm, no, I'm enjoying the commitment to the bit. Yes. Oh, yes. amazing. Like oh, yeah. amazing. Okay, what we got? Why is your writing so difficult to read? Sorry. What do you call a penguin in a mammal gallery? Curatorial oversight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, right, one more cracker. One more cracker. This one's mine. I will now. I want to have my cracker. Oh! that is exciting Clunk. oh what's this i've got a tiny tin <laughs> a tiny exciting tin no it's it's a yo-yo it's a tiny yo-yo <laughs> i i can't use yo-yos not to be trusted it's your hat <gasps> my hat my hat oh and a joke and a joke i'm so Definitely. stylish right now i mean i mean we're, we're gonna take some photos anyway joke time What's brown and sticky? A stick! <laughs> Other than that...
3: Sorry, that is just one of my favourite jokes ever. Animal glue! Yeah. <laughs> oh! And <laughs> that! <A> laugh.
1: <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm really glad you
0: like that one! <laughs> ah! Anyway, we hats, have two more jokes. A- yes, we have we have spare jokes. W- would, would you like to read one out? No, I was too Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do my own mic anywhere. I'm just over here. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's true. That's true. But we appreciate you. What do you call a benzene ring with iron atoms instead of carbon atoms? A Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: no, okay. see, I really <laughs> like that one. <laughs> no, okay. one, more, one more, one more, one more.
1: what do you say to the ipm manager at the medical museum you seem to have caught a bug (laughs) if anyone has any uh bet not necessarily better better. uh, conservation jokes bad any conservation jokes
0: jokes, send them in yes or or museum jokes you know more general that's also fine we've really struggled to find some (laughs) um so there you go you're stuck with these (laughs) I've just
3: found another chemistry joke that I'd oh, like to excellent. share. Oh, tell us, tell us. Uh, did you hear about um, what happened when oxygen went on a date with potassium? No, what happened? It went okay. <laughs> oh. oh no. Oh, no. Oh. Oh.
0: I I love I I love cracker jokes because they're so dad level bad. It's yeah, (laughs) it's great. We did nearly think it was a knock knock joke, but that doesn't quite fit the format of cracker jokes. Cracker jokes are kind of question and answer, really. Mm, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh god, absolutely amazing. Anyway, there you go, listeners. We've had our little cracker ritual. Christmas jumpers and hats. Yes, and it's I so have, festive. I have a Christmas jumper, which is from the Natural History Museum, which means it has dinosaurs on it. Ta-da.
1: Best jumper ever.
0: Seriously, it makes me so happy. I got it from a fellow conservator as well.
1: So, have we encountered any Christmas related objects Ooh. in the past few weeks as we've been
0: ramping up to <laughs> December? You know what? I, I tried really hard <coughs> finding Christmas related objects on and stuff like that, and uh, I found it quite slim. I think I came across the odd Christmas stocking on like online databases and uh, tinned Christmas pudding. Quite old. Loads of Christmas uh, cards though. So many Christmas uh, cards. Damn it, that's mine. Mm. Oh yeah, especially Victorian ones. Yeah. Loads of dead robins oh, and other weird yeah. stuff. They got really weird in the Victorian times.
1: <laughs> so I have Christmas cards from the the place that I work. Oh no! Um, Are
0: you going to tweet these? Please tell me. Uh, tweet yes, these.
1: yes, yes. I have a photograph. The first one is. It's. I will read it out. Uh, the Federation of Postmen of Sheffield, comrades, seasons greetings to them, wishing them every success in their petition of eighteen ninety-three.
0: Whoa! I don't really know what it means. But. I don't know either, but I'm sure it was important at the time. And we a have call.
1: a uh, Steve Bell greetings from the spirit of Xmas present, and it's Thatch Co. stocking reclamation, and it's Margaret Thatcher as uh, Santa taking stockings away from children. <laughs> Um, then we've got um, Christmas and New Year 1918. Greetings and peace wishes from the young socialists. And there's a sort of extremely turn of the century scene of children skipping through woodland, not wearing any shoes. So it, it, it strikes me as them being quite Urchins. chilly. Then there is another modern cartoon. Two more, Two modern cartoons, one Christmas card says it's a scene of the Mary and Joseph... With the crib. Uh, nay, nay, lad, no child of mine is sleeping in a bed made with scab labour. Oh, <laughs> I feel like this is slightly before my time. But, yes, and the one with Santa imagined as a picket line. Aww. A picket line... National Union of Mine Workers singing Jingle Bells Jingle Bells I feel like Santa's talking about well political yeah Santa's getting really political he's getting active <laughs> he's getting active he's <laughs> fighting for his rights I will tweet these
0: excellent I look forward to it because I have to say the museum I work at mostly had Christmas cards uh, mm. but that's again because we house an archive mm-hmm. without that we wouldn't have anything Christmassy, which is mm, that's just kind a shame. of mm,
1: yeah. so how about you Christina have
3: you ever seen a Christmas object a weird and wonderful I have yes we in the museum I used to work in we had a lot of stuff from the heroic age of polar exploration so sort of from the first couple of decades of the 19th century up to the first couple of decades of the 20th century and celebrating christmas on the ice was quite a big thing for a lot of the explorers who were there i aren't um, they they were well, quite and so we have all kinds of things christmas decorations that they oh, had really? um i think there's a menu um from their dinner obviously a lot of it was stuff that had come out of tins and so on but there is a story about um i think it's shackleton possibly possibly i'll have to look this up and and uh, confirm the details Um, Producing a plum pudding (laughs) from somewhere from a from a sock, if I remember correctly in time for their Christmas celebrations which uh, kind of, you know, would, would have made a change to the usual sort of tinned rations that they would have been eating. So there, there was quite a lot of that kind of thing in
0: the museum I used to work in. You know Although, what that reminds me of? That reminds me of a Michelin web sketch in Aww. which they are polar explorers and they have some rations with them and they've eaten them too soon and uh, one of them uh, suggests that to stay alive they should eat the Christmas pudding <laughs> and they say no, we are not beasts. We I'm not touching
3: that Christmas <laughs> pretty much yeah. and then you know it's it's all part of maintaining some kind of no- normality yeah. in very very abnormal circumstances mm-hmm. and stuff so. yeah. i love um, that i mean the the point of course is that in the antarctic because it's in the southern hemisphere christmas the 25th of december actually happens in the austral summer in yeah, fact right. it's it's summertime it's it's not even the mm-hmm. middle oh, yeah. of winter i mean you you might think this is a moot point somewhere where it's basically covered with snow and ice all year round you know how would you tell <laughs> but but christmas there happens in the middle of the summer so uh, and there's all kinds of midsummer celebrations they have as well so but um we had a lot of photos and things um, relating to christmas celebrations on the ice the museum i'm in at the moment my work is almost exclusively to do with stuff coming from pacific cultures so i'm really really hoping i'll get something from christmas island at some point uh-huh. which is near australia but i haven't yet but i, I shall look out for it and uh, if i do i'll tweet oh, it please do do <laughs>
0: because that would be um, cool. I asked the Twitter sphere, etc., if other conservators had worked on anything seasonal and we did get a few examples. Elaine Miller told us about a lovely glass ornament like a bauble, but like one that's, you know, oh. in more of a shape. Mm-hmm. I think hers was a little house or something uh, that had been put back together. You know, it, need, <laughs> it needed help, it needed TLC. And that was absolutely lovely. And then Nikki I think on Facebook uh, said that she she was working on plaster nativity sets, oh, beautiful. which uh, I, I can totally picture because I know that my parents have an old plaster nativity set. They're not even Christian, uh, but they have <laughs> a plaster nativity set, and I I, I think there's only, it's only a matter of time until they ask me to repair it. <laughs> it's been smashed too many times by the cat. <laughs> and we had a particularly lovely uh, reply from jessica lewinski who said any conservative from latin america knows that christmas equals treatment of baby jesus figurines my favorite <laughs> is from mexico whose yearly procession now includes a stay in the conservation center Aww. to get some tender love and care Aww. oh i absolutely love it i think that's great uh, for me personally I've just you know like lightly cleaned some Christmas cards that are coming out for display particularly ones from the trenches and stuff like oh, that because wow. we have a military collection where I work now so Christmas cards from the trenches are very much a thing that people like seeing at this time of year because mm-hmm. it just reminds them of even in war you keep a bit of normality uh, by trying to celebrate these things and stuff like that and uh, I've, I've worked on some paper flags for my parents that uh, yeah. they were antique mm-hmm. um, and they were very much kind of falling apart and falling off the stick and stuff like that I don't know why they had paper flags, you know, in like 1910 uh, in Sweden. <laughs> don't know why that was a thing, but people loved flags, apparently. Very odd. So those are the answers that we got from the Twitter sphere. If you have any other stories about Christmas themed objects, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please do tweet us or email us or whatever. We'd love to see as well. <laughs>
1: you're right christina is there anything else you'd like to add
3: or any thoughts you're having so far no it's just reminded me that i also wrote a blog um about um are polar explorers more likely to be born on christmas day um (laughs) because (laughs) as part of my job i had to enter i don't know 250 polar explorers into a database including their dates of birth where known and their dates of death where known and it seemed to me that an awful lot of them seem to have been born on Christmas Day. And then I started thinking, well, is this statistically significant or not? And so Random. I did a bit of number crunching as well.
1: It's
0: amazing. Please dig this up. Um, is this statistically significant? Yeah. What's
3: the, what's the deal? Uh, well, it's, it's not necessarily that clear cut because some of these people wouldn't, especially the people who made up the crew rather than the officers, wouldn't necessarily have been literate and may not even have known their own exact oh, day of birth. And there's some evidence that... That people would go for the nearest feast day, for example, um, rather than, you know, uh, so say you were born on the 27th of December, you might just say Christmas Day because that's easier to remember or whatever. So it's not necessarily that, that clear cut. Where there is sort of a link, it's also not that clear whether... Polar explorers are more likely to be born on Christmas Day, or people who are born on Christmas Day are more likely to be polar <laughs> explorers. There's quite a lot of evidence that when you are born does have an effect on your life.
0: Well, what do we think of Christmas in museums? Like, do you, do we feel that you know when people actually deck the halls and stuff like that? Do, do we feel oh. that anywhere does it particularly? well is it something we should do etc
1: i'm really loving people's history museum at the moment because there is a gigantic tree in the lobby um, <laughs> with loads of sort of manchester and political baubles all oh, over it right, yeah um, and it's coinciding with the etsy fair that they're Ooh. having there at the moment with handmade of, things yeah handmade yeah. local handmade things um <laughs> that's amazing and uh in my studio at the moment where i work we've been listening to christmas music <laughs> <laughs> have Christmas decorations up and Aww. I think it's just nice to have you know it's not it's a very sort of low key but hmm. it's
3: nice to to feel festive
1: isn't it?
3: that's really nice I think this is one of the things that small museums often do better than the big ones so our, our local museum always has lots of very seasonally themed activities and decorations and so on and and the sort of a lot of the smaller museums around us do a victorian christmas or come and meet father christmas yeah, in, yeah. In our town. and it feels really nice because of the smaller scale makes it more intimate and more kind of immediately relatable uh, and i think i just think they do it loads better as far as i know our museum isn't the one i work at isn't doing anything special at all um, although I'm happy to be corrected on that um, and the only thing I've got to look forward to is a bigger discount in the staff shop <laughs> uh, sorry bigger dif- that's something. a bigger discount in the museum shop uh, during December that's, that's something <laughs> I wonder
1: if there are Christmas themed events and things that people want to put on at the moment that give conservatives more of a headache I'm thinking things along the lines of fake snow in the vicinity of museum collections. Fakes, no, I hate it. Yeah, and events where there are, you know, complimentary mulled wine and mince pies in and around museums. I wonder if that's a thing. People generally getting more lax with the whole snacking and having treats around because it's Christmas, you know. I, I I wonder if that's a
0: thing. Yeah, and also if people are asked to uh, relax their maybe like flower policies if they have that Ooh. for like maybe mm. people taking uh, evergreen branches and stuff like that. Uh, uh, I know that we yeah. favour artificial ones, so uh, we don't have to replace yes, it and yes. that sort of thing. Uh, but there are places where it's a really big deal to get the right smell. Yeah, and I, I yeah. totally get that because you know I'd prefer to have a, a real Christmas tree in my house. Fire hazards, though. Uh, well,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and but also that, presumably full of bugs if it's been yes, dragged in yes, from exactly. a wood rather uh, because, uh, than. Well, I fair. mean, you can you can get sprays that are meant to yeah. make things smell
0: like yeah. christmas trees yes yeah, that's true that, <laughs> that, that no, no no that, that that is true that is true uh i always i always wonder has anything been done on these aerosols like how they affect things around them because i always wonder are those like giant molecules to just kind of land on my paintings or like what happens when they're in the mm. air but that's just me wondering stuff uh, but if anyone has any information on that let me know
3: so uh, basically nobody should have anything except the most austere plastic non-smelly non-realistic non-buggy tree and that's that yeah, no fakes no hey no, that's the Christmas
0: spirit they do some really nice fake trees now I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> they're a bit pricey but they do some really nice make ones. sure that
1: the lighting the fairy lights don't exceed lighting levels
0: <laughs> hey, L- LED TV, so, you know fine we're not worried <laughs>
3: God, I just have a vision of you in front of the tree with a Luxmeat and now Chloe. <laughs> no
0: Christmas like,
1: no, cheer allowed. Too festive. Turn it down.
0: Oh, God, up, I must draw that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. There are
0: no Christmas trees uh, or Christmas
1: lights in the vicinity of my collections. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I feel like most of the bugs that would come in with like evergreen stuff would probably be like a couple of spiders who would just be, oh, be oh. confused and wander into one of the bug traps and go, oh no, we're <laughs> <laughs> stuck. But yeah, no, I do love when museums put on a bit of Christmassy stuff, and I love seeing them decorated. Uh, it makes me genuinely happy. But then I'm I'm a bit of a softie for Christmas. Aww. I quite like it. Yeah, this Christmas love is fairy nice. lights. Love fairy lights and stuff like that. It's great. As you may have noticed, my house has more fairy lights I than love normal. Them. Right, what's next on the agenda? Oh, oh. Right, so I thought we would do some predictions for 2018. Just it, they can be personal, or they can be museum sector, or they can be conservation. They can be anything that you want. You're looking at me with a face of. No, I've got I, nothing. Don't, I don't know what to say. No, Go, I've got no, you first. You first. Okay, okay. Blag. I think not to be a downer, but I think more museums will close. Aww. And- wow. I think there's going to be a continuing trend of this problem with uh, museums not replacing conservators and oh. there being a more reliance on almost freelance people. I think that's going to be a thing. I'm sad. It's not all happy, proper- but I'm happy to be proved wrong. I would love if I was proved wrong. Uh, I, I would love if we could keep conservators and you know mm. retain knowledge in our museums and not rely on solely on external people. That would be really nice. So Listen up, museum people. <laughs> 2018 <laughs> you keep your conservatives. do you understand and you stay open and you try hard i know you already
4: try hard i know
0: i think more big museums will experiment with vr oh uh virtual reality and like headsets and stuff in their galleries mm-hmm. and then realize it's a complete and complete waste of time <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not very impressed with vr <laughs> So uh, I uh, I think more people mm-hmm. will experiment with it mm-hmm. and they'll probably do some interesting things. But I'm not super convinced that it's something worth spending time on and money. But Interesting hey, prediction though. But have at it. I think it's something that big museums can do, not the small ones. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the small ones don't have the budget to yeah. invest in all this equipment and then creating the software and the experience and all that stuff. But the big ones, they will totally have at it, I think. I think they totally will.
1: I predict that we will see um, a lot more museums bringing out their suffragette collection and their women's rights collection, it being the centenary of the Representation of the People's Act. I like it. 1918. I like it. Bring it on, ladies. (laughs) uh, uh, Women's right to vote Mm. for for the over
0: 30s. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. So have
1: a route around, obviously you know it, maybe, within maybe the boundaries of the profession uh,
2: <laughs> in your
1: stores see if you've got any women's rights uh, related collections yeah or you Do know d-
0: dig around stories and archives and stuff like that as well it might be that you had some really interesting local suffragettes and uh, and it could be worth doing something with them you know just highlighting their memory or their stories or something that would be really cool wouldn't it
1: super awesome
0: yeah nice I predict there will be an increase in bursaries and grants for conservators to do stuff because there's not enough money. Ooh. So I think there's going to be more money awarded to more people. Awesome. Which is a positive, yeah, uh-huh. even though it's brought on by something that's sad. You know, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Do we predict that ICON will have another uh, awards, uh, conservation oh, awards? Do good we predict one.
0: that? Okay, let's, let's when was pre- the let's, last one? I can't remember. 2015. Oh, okay, Let's predict that ICON will have another... <laughs> uh, icon True View Award Ceremony thing. Yeah. Game on, Icon. <laughs> we know you listen. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, that that would genuinely be a lovely thing to see. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone needs something to kind of lift them a little bit. Yeah. And be like, yeah. Oh, Conservation's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should talk to some people, Icon. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> have we got it? No, what else have we got? Oh, I've got a sad one. Oh. I predict that we'll see a lot more European Conservatives leaving.
1: No, no, I will grip your arm. <laughs>
0: Didn't say I was going anywhere unless they choose to deport me, mm. which we won't know until 2019. So, mm, you know, in, actu- in actual fact, I've got loads <laughs> of time to prepare and pack. <laughs> I'll be probably fine. <laughs> okay. But I think I think we'll see a few more leave. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see a few more leave if it's a hostile environment to be in Mm. so it's it's not super great Mm. so it might just be that people now take the chance to kind of move back or move closer to family or say yeah you know i've got a lot of good experiences from here and i'll come and apply them in my home country instead you know it could be it could be personally i think this is as much my home country as sweden so i'm kind (laughs) of you know i'm kind of rooting to stay just saying um (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I, if if that does happen, given yeah. that a lot of the UK training courses have a very high proportion of overseas students, I wonder what the effect on the viability of those courses will be. And we've already seen one course close in the last few months, although only temporarily, I think. But I, I do wonder if we might also see courses struggling to survive. And certainly when I trained I would say it's a minority of students were UK residents, actually. And we had quite a few people from the US, but also a number of people from the EU. Now, obviously, at the moment, the deal is that EU students pay fees at the home rate. Um, so the universities aren't making any more money from EU students than they are from UK students. Yeah. They, they pay the same fees as the home UK yeah, students. Which is not the case adjusted- for
0: outside the EU, yeah.
3: Which is so not the case. So, so 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 yeah, so basically that's why there's lots of um US students often is because they're they're subsidizing it. I suspect they, they pay very much higher fees, um, although possibly not higher than they would pay in the United States. But um I, I so I don't think it's that universities would be losing funding necessarily if there were a big decrease in EU students studying in the UK but I think it's more that the the actual numbers going down might threaten the viability because conservation courses often have very very small intakes each year um, you know sort of 10 students or whatever so even losing three or four applications could make
0: it seem a bit dicey can we have a happy one now i predict there'll be another viral video that'll make everyone angry
3: that's not a happy one no but i
0: said it while smiling and i thought that would help
3: it always okay helps. i predict i'm finally going to write the book review that i really really ought to write and that i haven't done for a long time Yay. and i'm saying it now just to commit myself to it yes yeah Brilliant. yeah <laughs> so jonathan if you're listening i really am going to do it next year you said it now you said
1: you it. you have
0: you've said it on record yes yes yeah excellent work
3: i uh, also predict that because i'm working there you go this is you, you asked what i wanted to achieve Clay. i think I'm, I'm working in a job which has got an unusually high percentage of bench Work, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, almost all I'm going to be doing for next year is, is bench work. I'm not going to have very much collection care responsibility and so on. And the last time I had a job that interventive was about seven years ago because I've been doing a very kind of collection care mm-hmm. kind of job since then. And so I'm really hoping to uh, kind of remember some of my manual skills, but also to put into practice some of the really cool stuff that I've been seeing other people doing. Um, so uh, the collection I'm working with is an ethnographic collection and there's a lot of potential I think for doing some quite exciting things I've seen people doing amazing stuff with Japanese tissue paper and all sorts of you know really cool fills and stuff like that so that's what I'd like to do next year is is have a chance to play around with some more um, exciting and inventive conservation
0: techniques
1: i think that's great good one that's a good one yeah Oh, and that is
0: i'm gonna do something scary which i don't i'm gonna regret this so much i predict that i will start properly looking into becoming accredited (gasps) like properly doing it do it yeah that's a scary thing to say on air (laughs) that's amazing i'll I'll make the effort i will try you will
1: yes excellent
0: Hey, good predictions, people. Let's yeah. let's let's review this uh, in our next Christmas special this time and, next year, and we'll see and we'll see how much of it held up. Basically, yeah, yeah. Okay, so speaking of the kind of year, have have we all? What's our takeaways? From the year is did we feel like we've achieved anything in particular or that you know, with oh, something yeah. nice. I've that that had an amazing year.
1: Yeah. I got my amazing job and it's like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And,
0: and Christina, you also got an amazing job. So you hey. both got amazing jobs. Mm-hmm. Jobs. And you stayed in an amazing job. That is correct. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Not screwed up yet. <laughs> Yes, correct. Uh, well done, everyone. We have jobs,
3: and we started the C word.
0: We yes. started.
1: How did I not think? I of that? know. I that know. We started the C word. This is the year of we have, the
0: birth of the C word. Yeah, and we've we've done two seasons. We've how done amazing! Is extremely
1: that? well. I how think. Thank is you so that? much to everyone who listens and supports yeah. and interacts with us. Absolutely, uh, it's really nice to know that we are hitting the right chords for people. Yeah
0: nice and uh do we are planning season three for 2018
1: yeah we are season three is scheduled yeah it's i mean topics are fairly fluid i don't want to change the spreadsheet too many more times because we've had so many ideas <laughs> mm, spreadsheet. But we've since the summer i've just i've put there's just been so
0: much change around <laughs> Cause I'm
1: Like, oh that let's put that in next season all right or well, what do you want to swap out <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the the planning the plan the uh-huh. plans are in place. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, you know you won't be without us for too long. Uh, is there anything else we look forward to in twenty eighteen other than uh, continuing this? I'm going to try and buy a house. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh-huh. God, grown up. Yeah. Uh,
3: how about you, Christina? Well, I don't know what I don't I don't think there's any kind of like big career things for me really. <laughs> Um, to be I mean, making... I, I've got a. Uh, no, sure. Um, I mean, I said I said a couple of the smaller things. I, I've got a job for the next year, so I'm just kind of happy taking that as it comes. I've 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 got some ideas for what I'd like to do afterwards, but I'm not quite ready
0: to go public with those. so That's <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's
0: all right. Oh, oh, oh I'm I'm, I'm going to go to New Zealand. That's Yay! exciting. Yeah, go to
1: all the museums.
0: Uh, yeah. So, um, if there's anything I must see let me know i'll probably be more on the south island than the north island but let me know if there's anything i shouldn't miss if you want to meet up if you want to talk to me if you want to be interviewed if you just want to say hello if you want to let me snoop around your lab <laughs> basically <laughs> let me know because I'll, I'll be there for a few weeks so um i'm flexible <laughs> basically uh on the off chance that anyone in new zealand is listening but yeah so that's exciting that's kind of cool um yeah <laughs>
3: speaking of the antipodes, <laughs> speaking of the southern hemisphere <laughs> um we had uh a, a, a brilliant first for the seabird recently which was our first phone interview directly from the ice in antarctica and <gasps> I, I was so excited about this um basically um, diana mccormick who's a objects conservator in the uk is currently spending a month in antarctica with the new zealand antarctic heritage trust where she's their conservation ambassador and she emailed me out of the blue and said um, that she'd like to ring us and do a phone interview and because the only time she could do was about six o'clock on a sunday morning um, (laughs) i i stupidly (laughs) volunteered for this Um, (laughs) but uh yeah Have a listen. It's 6.40 on a Sunday morning, and I'm sitting downstairs waiting for the phone to ring instead of being tucked up warmly in bed like the rest of my family. But I don't actually mind because the call I'm waiting for is a first for the C-word. We're going to have a live telephone interview directly from Antarctica, where Diana McCormack, who's working there with the... New Zealand Antarctic Heritage Trust is going to try giving us a ring so stay tuned Oh, there it is Hello
2: Hello, is that Christina?
3: Yes, it is how are you doing? It's Diana. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the SeaWord. word Thank you so much for calling us we're really excited to have you here So, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Antarctica and how you've come to phone us from there?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So, uh, I'm here this season um, as a conservation ambassador to the Antarctic Heritage Trust. They're a charity based in New Zealand, um, and they're all about inspiring explorers, and it's their mission to conserve and share the historic bases of the early explorers to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Um, So, they've already conserved the uh, major historic huts, you know, by Shackleton and got the people that everybody know, um, and they've, they've conserved over 20,000 artefacts already, and then now we're sort of moving into a stage of maintenance and monitoring and just keeping up the object conservation. Yep. My role really is to work with the conservators here um, for, for sort of two months, seven weeks, um, and then to do a bit of outreach and sort of spread the word about the project and get other people inspired.
3: So had you done anything like this before?
2: I've never been to Antarctica before, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is a total first for me, but it's something I've always wanted to do. I've been watching the project as it's been been going over the years. It it just seems like the most exciting, the most challenging conservation project out there, really. Um, So I'm absolutely thrilled that I actually got this post when it came up. Yeah.
3: So what kind of uh, preparation or training did you have to do?
2: Well, beforehand there, there there was a series of interviews and medical tests, um, quite quite thorough medical tests. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're sort of fit for the field and not going to get sick while you're out on the ice, because obviously the sport is a bit more limited here. Um, and then when we arrive in Antarctica, before they really let you off base, um, it's compulsory to do some field training. So. My first few days here, we were sent out on to the sea ice and you just sort of got to learn all the, the necessary skills. So, you know, we pitched our polar tents and spent the night on the sea ice and built a little ice shelter to sort of um, keep us safe from the wind. And then you cook your breakfast on the little stove. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: It was amazing, actually. It was, it was about negative 10 and it, when when I first arrived it was about negative 30 and you really felt the cold but after a couple of days you kind of get used to it and actually it seems quite pleasant. <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: um, and in conservation terms, um, what kind of sort of preparation did you have to do?
2: Once we'd um, completed the training we were allowed off base and then I headed out with the rest of the team for a week at the historic huts. Mm-hmm. That was completing the maintenance and monitoring work so... Um, the first thing we had to do actually was clear all the drifted snow away from the hut as it had been building up for a year. Oh. a lot of ice in there and obviously that put a lot of pressure on the structure itself um, and make things a little bit damp around the walls. So that was quite an important job. And then um, once the sort of structural part was um, cleared, we moved inside and uh, went through the sort of monitoring process on the artefacts. So it was really... Um, picking out selected artifacts, recording their condition, monitoring to see if there was any change from the previous year's condition records, and then there's a little bit of experimental work going on uh, you know, they're monitoring metal coupons for corrosion and trying to um, record the rates that things are decaying at
3: Yep So, um, I mean you're making it sound almost routine just sort of doing a condition survey, but <laughs> Clearly, the conditions you're working in are very different from if you were in the UK.
2: It it was amazing. I see everything takes takes longer, and you just think, what is wrong with me? Why is why am I so slow at this? But actually, everything's just a little bit more challenging, and it all adds up really quickly. So yeah, um, trying to to um, the, like okay. So for example, the the first hut at Cape Ro- at Royds, sorry, the Nimrod hut from Shackleton's expedition. Um, it was the first point that we had to sort of pick out the right artefacts, bring them to the photography table, you know, um, take some good images and then just write up what what state they're in, comparing it to last year's condition report. And Mm -hmm. It sounds like such a simple job, but it was negative 11 degrees in the hut and um, (laughs) you've sort of got all your pockets and your gloves stashed with hand warmers and, um, you know, it's quite dim as well. Yeah. So you set up lots of lights and you just have to concentrate so much not to, you know, trip over cables or trip over your giant boots. Um, You've got to fix everything on the photography table with your gloves off and then get your gloves back on really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it just slows down a lot. So, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's amazing how, how much slower your, your mind works than when you're really cold.
3: Hmm. I know um, from talking to other people who've been out there as well that, a lot of things just don't work. It's things that you would take for granted like batteries or computers or yeah. adhesives
2: so you Even when you when you stash your sleeping bag full of all your batteries, the, the camera batteries were dying inside of half an hour, forty minutes. Yeah. So you, you've gotta have an awful lot of spares and <laughs> going up to the to the hut to um swap things over and just warm yourself up.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um how long are you going to be out there?
2: altogether it's it's seven or eight weeks. Um, I've been here for about a month now. We've got a couple of weeks left. Uh, Once we came back from the field it's really been uh, starting on object conservation work in the little lab here at Scott Bay. And that's a little bit easier obviously because we've got heating in there (laughs) Um, and we're not sleeping in tents anymore. But uh, yeah, that's much more kind of routine. We've got some objects from the huts themselves, um, and interestingly, I've also got a batch of objects to work on that have been sent back to um, the Antarctic Heritage Trust, Mm -hmm. which um, had been removed from the huts back in the fifties and sixties. Right, and then have spent the intervening years, uh, maybe in America or you know with with somebody quite often who'd worked in the Antarctic in the fifties or sixties, and they'd. They pick something up um, and when you compare them to, to what, what's in the hut now, it might, might be a can of cocoa and there are hundreds of cans of cocoa,
4: mm-hmm. but
2: they're in really good condition so actually it, it's done them a wonderful favour and now they're going to be conserved and sort of, they, I'm applying protective coatings to them so that they can go back into their place in the hut where they came from.
3: So what, what sort of differences are you seeing in condition? Uh, between the ones that uh, have
2: corrosion.
3: the level of corrosion right okay
2: yeah so um obviously the the huts are very very cold and it in some cases that's that's quite good for preservation um they're also very dry but then during the summer months the temperatures can rise a little bit and then um, things can get moldy there's a little bit of mold growth so uh that was another one of the tasks the huts is suppressing the mold growth wherever we find it there wasn't too much um, and then um yeah, obviously when, when the humidity rises, then in the slightly higher temperatures the corrosion can take off. And over the over the last century really, um, some of the metal artifacts have suffered quite badly. So the objects that I'm seeing coming in um from America that have just been donated back, they're they're in much better condition. There's hardly any corrosion on them, so they've got a much better chance now because we can apply the protective coating before they go into that Mm -hmm. environment. And yeah, hopefully they'll they'll last a bit longer.
3: Okay. And um, presumably it's a maritime environment as well. So are you seeing damage from salt and so on?
2: There is a lot of salt as well, yes. Yeah. You can see it sort of crystallising on the the inside of the the hot walls. Um, And a lot of the metal artifacts uh, have to be desalinated as well before they can be treated. Yeah. Um, all the, all the huts pretty much, you know, they, they were built as, as prefab buildings and they, they were offloaded straight off the ship. So wherever the ship was able to, uh, to get into, they, they built the hut probably 50 meters away on the beach, you know, so it's very salty. At the minute, however, we've been working next to the sea ice, um, because it's all still frozen. But I think in the next month or two, a lot of those will will open up like at Cape Roy's, but um I think there's already open water mm-hmm. of that now this year. Um and Cape Evans will be on frozen I think probably by January, February. And the water can come right up to within <laughs> twenty meters of the front of the hut, I think it's it's, it's like a beach. Yeah. <laughs> Very beautiful beach.
3: <laughs> yeah. So um what have, what have you been doing when you're not uh Conserving things and condition surveying and so on. How, how do you spend your time?
2: Well, uh, today was a day off um, actually, and I've been on, onto the Mount Erebus glacier tongue, mm-hmm. and looking at ice caves and doing a bit of ice climbing. So everything here is pretty amazing, to be honest. Um, you can't really go wrong. I mean, I, I, when I look out the window now, I'm looking at the Ross Ice Shelf, and there are Weddell seals just lying about all around the pressure ridges and. You know, you can, you can go cross-country skiing, you can go hiking up the <laughs> top Observation Hill there. Um, it's really, you're never bored. Um, last night we were invited over to McMurdo Station, which is the American base just over the hill, uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving dinner with them. Everybody's very hospitable. And-
3: so, did you have turkey or <laughs> tin turkey? or <laughs> <laughs>
2: I had the busy option. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah there, there are about 900 people at the American base, and um, Scott base, the, the New Zealand site where I am, is, is about 90 people. So, um, you know, they, they work together quite a lot. I think they're, they're quite close neighbours. Hmm.
3: And um, you're coming back just before Christmas back to the UK. Is that right?
2: Yes, I think we're, we're scheduled to fly now on the 9th of December, I believe been brought forward a little bit everything changes here because of the weather <laughs> yes <laughs> i think it'll be a bit of a shock to go back to, to the dark yes it's 24 hour daylight here at the minute <laughs>
3: um in fact yes this is this interview is going to go in the christmas episode of the podcast um, and um we were thinking oh yay, it's going to be all kind of christmasy and you know talking to someone in antarctica but in fact for you it's midsummer at the moment isn't it
2: summer yeah it's the worse than i've ever seen in my entire life
3: <laughs> so what are you looking forward to when you get back to the uk anything you really miss
2: i should say i miss my husband um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i'm not sure it's just like a completely different world and it's kind of a bit strange because i'm wondering if um, everything is, is real back home. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a completely separate world.
3: <laughs> and what do you think you'll miss from Antarctica?
2: Oh, everything. It's just the most amazing place I've ever been. It's, everything here is just a little bit more special than you expect it to be. You know, when, it, um, when, the, wet, when the wind drops and the weather's really fine the most peaceful beautiful place mm. when you're confined to base because there's a giant windstorm it's just so impressive to stand and look out the window and you know see maybe only 20 meters away and there's just snow blowing everywhere mm. you know, the hot creaking around you um yeah it's just the most amazing place
3: mm. do you think you would go back you've given the chance
2: I think if they would let me, I'll, I'll probably be applying again, but we'll see what
3: happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, does the does your part in the project carry on after you get back to the UK? Uh,
2: yes, I'll be doing a little bit of outreach when I get back to the UK. Mm-hmm. I'm doing some presentations and a little bit more social media outreach. Um, the idea is really to spread the word about the project and inspire other people to sort of engage with it. Um, they, this is the first time this conservation ambassador role uh has been a part of the program, and it it will continue into the future, I think, but I'm not sure yet what that's going to look like mm-hmm. and that will be an opportunity for somebody else obviously next year to sort of um you know throw the net as wide as possible
3: yeah so uh, how do you think you'll be able to apply your experience in Antarctica back to the day job when you get back home?
2: Uh, well, um, I work at the National Museum of the Royal Navy in Portsmouth mm-hmm. um, on the conservation of historic ships and submarines, And that is obviously quite a challenging job as well. Um, they they do actually share some problems in common with the historic huts down here, um, like the way the um, timber in the hut Degrades in the, the sort of salty, cold environment. Um, but there's a lot of really useful stuff um, that I've done here that, that's um, quite applicable back home. Um, it has made me realise that um, as challenging as the chips are, there are bigger challenges out there. And a lot of the the work we've been doing with protective coatings and, and just seeing how, how effective that really can be mm-hmm. um, When done in a certain way, uh, I think that's going to be really useful to me, particularly with the historic submarines, which are just full of of different metals and a lot of modern materials in there. It's been wonderful as well to watch the heritage carpenters at work. Um, And I think that it's something um, I'd I'd like to get them to uh, meet up with our our team at HMS Victory, because they've got a lot in common.
3: (laughs) So you're making all sorts of connections, which is nice.
2: Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, a lot of uh, the team are, are from different places, so that um, uh, mostly from New Zealand. But one of the carpenters this year is also from the UK. And um, in the past, you know, it's, it's been quite a, quite a wide international pool working down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've gotten a little bit handier in. At, at, Certain things—it's a bit like a conservation health farm in that way. Um, you know, making you be really disciplined. Like, even working in the in the lab here at the base, everything's very very dry. Um, so when you're applying which it's just like paraloid um, to something—it it goes off so quickly. And <laughs> you're trying not to leave any brush marks and things. So yeah, it's um, tightened up my my skills, my hand skills. Are
3: you finding a lot of differences in the way the materials themselves behave? Uh, I mean, apart from the dryness, the cold.
2: Yeah, trying to keep things fluid, uh, stop them from freezing. And uh, like we said, you know, battery life on things has been quite difficult. Yeah, you just have to be mindful of that all the time and and work through it.
3: So quite challenging conditions all round. Before you go, um, do, would you like to wish all our listeners happy Christmas? Anyway, even though it is midsummer for you, just because it really would be a first for us to have a Christmas message from Antarctica.
2: Certainly, I'd like to wish everybody back to home and round the world whoever's listening to the C word very Merry Christmas from a very snowy and cold place. Thank you. And also, happy midsummer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Whichever that covers both uh, hemispheres. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, um, thank you very much for calling us from Antarctica. Um, we're really excited to get your call, and it's been great to catch up with you, and I hope you have a safe journey back um, and enjoy the rest of your time there.
2: Okay, thanks for uh, getting up. I know it's Sunday
3: morning there. Oh, no, no, that's all right. I'm enjoying a quiet cup of tea before the rest of the household gets up, so it's actually quite nice. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, take care. Great. Uh, thank you. <laughs>
0: happy christmas Christmas day Day. hey uh we tried making uh rewriting a famous christmas carol (laughs) and uh do you want to hear what that sounds like when it's sung do you (laughs) you do don't you you do yeah yeah here it is on the first day of christmas my true
4: love sent to me a trip of b-72 on the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Two purple gloves and a true love be seventy-two On the third day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Three fresh wines, two purple gloves and a true of be seventy-two On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Four crowing furs, three fresh vines, two purple gloves, and a tube of the seventy two. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me five old rings. Four crowing furs, three fresh vines, two purple gloves, and a tube of the seventy two. On the sixth day, of Christmas my, Christmas my true love sent to me, me. Six hats of free Christmas my true love said to me Ten girls Eight loops for binding, seven pots for packing, six cups for three, five old rings. For going first, three fresh finds, two purple gloves, and a tube of b 72
3: Seventy-two. The Twelve Days of a Conservator's Christmas featured words by Chloe Rumsey, Jenny Mathiason and Christina Rizek based on a traditional carol in a musical arrangement by John Rutter. The singers were Christina Rizek and Tom Such and the musicians were also Christina Rizek and Tom Such many times over. Merry Christmas everybody!
0: Give away. So, uh the nice people at Pels, so that's Preservation Equipment Limited, have given us uh some lovely things to have as a Christmas giveaway. Now they are the sponges and erasers and things like that that we actually talked about in the last episode. And uh they are, you know, we we posted pictures of them and stuff like that, so you know what you're getting. And this is now a giveaway. It's the big prize, it's the grand prize. And uh, all you have to do to enter is you have to send us in some way a picture. Of your favorite tools or toolkit yes or toolkit uh, it can be anything that you do use in your daily conservation life we, we just love to see what what you do what you've got if you send us this via twitter or facebook messages or email or email basically any way that you can get us a photo is an acceptable way of entering you can be anywhere in the world you know it just has to be your tools That's it. Those are the rules. You also have to be able to give us an address so that we can actually send you the prize. (laughs) So if you're one of these people who was like, no, I'm not going to tell you where I live or where I work, then you're no good to us. Uh, You you (laughs) have to tell us where we send the prize. Anyway, if you get us these photos by the 20th of January 2018, that is the deadline, then we will judge amongst ourselves. We'll pick the top three and then uh, randomly pick the winner from those three. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think love it's seeing people's tools. It's like, it's like stationary, but better. Oh, yeah. yeah, Way better. But yeah, so uh, please send us your best photos of your tools or toolkit or sing, singular tool, whatever you want. We, we'd just love to see it. Do it by January 20th. And thanks again to Pell for sending us these. Oh, so that's all from us. Yeah, I think that's everything. It's everything for season two. Can you believe it? It's come so far. Well, we look forward to seeing um, seeing you all in the new year, I guess. Seeing you all in the new year. Yeah. We can cyber see people. It's yes. fine. That sounds weird. <laughs> but yes. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, yeah, thank you. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and a Happy,
3: and happy New, New Year. Year. Yay, yay, yay! And may your, yay. Scalpels, <laughs> may your scalpels always be sharp and your B72 never stringy. Oh, I Aww. love it.
0: Thanks for listening. We're the Seaward and you've been listening to Christina Rosaic, Chloe Rumsey and me, Jenny Byerson. This is the last episode of Season 2. We will be back for our third season, Don't You Worry. In the meantime, you can check out our website at thecword.show, tweet us at thecwordpodcast, or simply email us on thecwordpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and Archer Music is Spring by Diddy Mystic, used under Creative Commons attribution license. This has been a Wooden Dice Production. Merry Christmas, everyone, and see you next year.